0: and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast.
1: When you have someone approach you for the first time and they're seeing your offer and your pricing for the first time, they're comparing it to whatever experience they've had in the past, or maybe they're not comparing it to anything and they're just having to kind of make a judgment call on the quality.
0: Hey everyone, Anami Tonkin is my guest this week, and she talks us through something we haven't yet discussed on the Portrait System podcast, and that is photography memberships for your clients. Anami focuses on family photography, but this strategy really could be applied to any genre. Anami shares how providing a membership option for her clients then provides her with consistent income, and this even worked really well during the pandemic. Anami is very generous with the information she shared during her interview, and she was really fun to talk to. She's a smart businesswoman on top of being a great photographer, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you. Okay, here is Anami Tonkin. Anami Tonkin, welcome to The Portrait System. How are you? I'm doing so well. Thanks, Nikki. I hope you are. I am. I'm doing really well. Okay, so Rachel Griman, she was episode 129 talking about copywriters. She recommended that we interview you. And as soon as I heard your message about kind of what has worked really well for you and your business the last couple years,
1: I was like, yes, we need to get her on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love Rachel, and I always love connections in that way because I feel Mm -hmm. like it's it is the best way to sort of get the scoop on whether somebody's real, like doing their real thing or not. So that's super sweet that she put us in touch.
0: Yeah, yeah. I loved her episode too. Copywriting is so important. So it's a good one. People listening, if you haven't, if you haven't listened to it yet, it's a good one. Yeah, and you know, not only just with things like this, but that's how my business has grown is through referrals like that. Like people talking about me. I mean, it's just, it's so important. And not only for... You know, people to refer us, but for our, us to talk about other people, because it the is. more we refer and talk about other people, the more they're likely to refer and talk about us. So it's Absolutely. a
1: nice, yeah, it's a good way to build. I mean, especially just in small business in general, it is those kinds of recommendations, both coming in and going out, are are like gold in for totally. your business. Totally. All right. Well,
0: tell us a little bit about kind of what your main topic is going to be today and just a little bit about that. And then we'll kind of back up and talk about where you came from.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I am excited to talk to you today about something that I think is a great idea all the time, but is particularly relevant right now in sort of what feels like an uncertain landscape. We are, as photographers, sometimes, you know, one of the harder things about our businesses is the fact that we don't always have a really good handle. You know, it's when you have a job and you have a paycheck every couple of weeks, you can plan your financial life around how much money you make. But mm-hmm. when you are any kind of freelancer, certainly a creative freelancer, there's this sense of, okay, I made decent money this month, but what am I going to make next month? What about next year? And so today what I want to talk about is how I stabilized my own photography income with a portrait membership Where for years I had, I'm a family photographer and I had family clients who would come to me, whether it was the first time they were reaching out to me or whether it was our, you know, fifth time getting together. And they would say, I've been meaning to contact you for, you know, three years, but this happened (laughs) and this happened. And gosh, I can't believe how much bigger my kids are now. I should have done this a while ago. And I was like, yeah, you should have done this a while ago. I could have used that money every year in between as well. And so what I did was I created this portrait membership that allows people to kind of set it and forget it with their family photos where they sign up. They're you know paying on a monthly basis. It just pings their credit card without me having to sell to them or anything else. And they're coming and getting portraits every year. So I've had that running in my business for three years now. It has been a major stabilizer, game changer, whatever you want to call it. I actually launched it right before the pandemic and that I feel like saved me during that period of time.
0: I can imagine. I can imagine. I mean, I don't think during that time people, like top of mind was not getting my family photos done. Sure. I mean, that just wasn't there. But if it's something that they know is coming and it's regularly scheduled, I mean, it just makes sense that they would think about it more than starting fresh with a new session or trying to figure it out. Like, it's just something they do if it's scheduled.
1: Absolutely. And if it's built into their budget, you know, another big objection that I get from people when they're reaching out to me for the first time and they want to have a session, that's, you know, it's a relatively large one-time investment. Once they've got that on a monthly, you know, retainer, as it were, All of a sudden, that becomes a much smaller charge. I don't know about you. When I look at my credit card statement every month, I kind of scan down and look for the big numbers, right? And when someone hires me as a one-off, I'm one of those larger number line items on their credit card statement. But once they become a member, all of a sudden that looks like a trip to the grocery store or something else, which is much easier to maybe convince a spouse that, you know, this is a worthwhile thing, or if the dishwasher breaks and you have like a surprise, you know, thing that comes up, you don't then kick your photos down the road. That's still something that you're able to build into the monthly budget without like causing any friction.
0: Right, right. Now you said that before you started this, it was kind of like month to month as in, you know, I might make X amount this month, and I might make a little bit more next month. Like, take us back before you started this membership, and and talk about just kind of what your business looked like.
1: Sure. So I've been in business for a long time. I'm, you know, in the family photography photography world. I feel like I'm a little bit of a <laughs> a fixture in my area. I've been uh, in business since 2010, and my business was always pretty good, actually, right from the get go. I feel like it's. I don't envy the people who are getting into it now. Well, I envy them in some ways, right? There's so many more amazing educational resources like this podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, there are amazing website templates. I remember I had to, you know, learn how to use WordPress and build a, uh, an, a website from oh, scratch gosh, when I first started. I remember those days, <laughs> So there so was bad. that. <laughs> but the competition now is so much fiercer. And so that, you know, that is something that I feel like is hard. But I started out in 2010, things were chugging along fine, but I had a couple of things that happened in my life and kind of just in my personal life that really changed the direction of my business over time. So one of those things was that I got divorced and all of a sudden was my family photography business. If it was going to continue, needed I needed to figure out how to make that a single income uh thing that worked Mm -hmm. so that happened and then after that happened while I was doing pretty well as a single income earner I had ankle surgery that was supposed to have a really short recovery period they said I was going to be off my feet for two weeks so I scheduled it in December I was like okay I can take a couple of weeks off no big deal by the time my business kind of picks back up in February I'll be totally fine So I wake up from the surgery and they're like, right. So we got in there and things were way more messed up than we thought. And we had to fix that. And now you're going to be off your foot, like non-weight bearing for the next three to four months. And I like my jaw hit the floor. I was like, wait a minute, because my business really is dependent upon me being able to show up and do the work and chasing toddlers around requires the use of one's foot So I, you know, spent four months. Thankfully, I had savings built up and I was able to kind of make it work for those four months. And the winter is my slow season. So it was okay. But during that time, I started thinking to myself like, okay, you got to figure out a way to stabilize the amount of money that you're making so that you can weather these kinds of inevitable hiccups in your life and in the world. And so... At one point, (laughs) I actually got a box in the mail one day that was an HVAC filter, you know, those things that you have to replace every once in a while. I had signed (laughs) up for this subscription because I was terrible at remembering to replace my air conditioning filters. This was one of those things that just like never occurred to me. And then one time my air conditioner broke at an inopportune time. And the HVAC guy was like, you need to, like, make sure that you're replacing your filters regularly. So I signed up for this subscription. And, you know, at some point, I like go over on my crutches to the door, and there's my new air conditioning filter. And it clicked. I was like, this is such a convenience for me, even though I pay, you know, a little bit more for it, maybe over time. To be able to do this means that I don't then have the major problem of my HVAC breaking. And it came together for me with this, like, right, why don't I provide something like that for my clients who are, like I said, forever saying, oh, you know, we meant to do this every year, but now we have three kids and life is just so busy. Like, how can we possibly keep up? And I was like, right, I should make it so that they don't have to think about it, that every year I just reach out to them and say, it's time to schedule your session, So that was around March of 2019. I was thinking about this and I started to kind of map out the basics of what it would take to convert my family photography business into at least some portion of it into a membership. And so what I did was I created three offers, three tiers, and I made it so that they were all really good and all of them were actually priced a little bit better than my standard sessions because I knew that this was going to benefit my clients, but it was also going to benefit me. So I was willing to like bring the overall cost down. Ultimately, most people weren't independently hiring me each and every year anyway. So over time, it ended up being more money. It was just in like Mm -hmm. smaller pieces. And then I... Real real quick, before you move
0: on to that, I just want one thing that you said is like with the HVAC thing, don't you feel like it just kind of makes... Life easier. Like, we have so many things to do on our to do list. If we can just for our clients, just like you're a client of this HVAC company, they made your life so much easier by you not having to think about it anymore. It's just going to show up and it's there. It's like they don't have to reach out to you or, you know, or you don't have to reach out to them. You don't have to go on and buy it. Like, it just is all about making our clients' lives simple because their lives are just as busy or as busier than ours. So anything we can do to make it easier for them, they are so much more likely going to do it. I mean, I can think as, as a consumer myself, I went two years without getting family photos. That's fucking ridiculous. I'm a photographer, you know, it's like, come on. So anyways, (laughs) I just wanted to say that.
1: No, it's true. When you think about what people value, I think many photographers' minds jump immediately to money. So Mm -hmm. when someone isn't hiring them, they're like, ah, it's because my prices are too high. That, that really is something that even if they're not saying it out loud, I think a lot of photographers worry about, especially like, you know, I know at the beginning of the pandemic, I was talking to a lot of photographers who were saying those kinds of things like, ah, you know, I can't, how could I possibly charge any money right now when the world is so uncertain? Well, I am here to tell you, (laughs) people were spending tons of money during those, Mm -hmm. especially those first few months of the pandemic, you know, and now we're sort of in the midst of this economic slowdown, downturn, whatever, and I'm hearing it again where there's this real deep fear about, will anyone pay my rates? Well, certainly money is something that people value, but for people who are not living kind of hand-to-mouth or right on the edge of financial uncertainty, the thing that they value the most is their time, their time, their Mm -hmm. energy. So many parents have, you know, they have more money than they have time. And so to be able to take any part of your business and make it easy for people, just make it instantly like bingeable, clickable, buyable.
0: (laughs) (laughs) When we can
1: do that for our clients, we are doing ourselves an enormous service as a business owner.
0: Yes, it's so true. It's so true. Okay, I know you I know you were about to go into that second part there, so I'm oh no, sure well, I was gonna to get
1: down to the nuts and bolts a little bit, so
0: um, yeah, that's great. I know people want to hear that.
1: Yeah, so basically, I when I wanted to put together my offer, I was thinking, what is it that at the core is kind of my primary offer to my clients? And that really was my standard session. I just do I do a lifestyle portrait session, which is you know. 90-ish minutes long, whatever. And the way that I offer my one-off clients the process, there is a session fee, like a retainer kind of a thing. Then we have the session. And then when they get their images, the preview for their images, they're able to choose one of three collections. And my collections include a certain number of digital files and a certain amount of print credit. So they use the print credit in my online store. I used to do in-person sales I mentioned when I got divorced things were like, oh, how am I going to how am I going to run my business? And so that was actually when I introduced this system which is kind of like an online version of in-person sales, but that process ends up costing them, you know, if they're going to get all of my digital files, it costs them around $1800 all in, so the session fee plus their collection. What I did was I created my basic membership tier as including all of the digital files from the session, and there's no separate session fee. And I made the total cost of that, which is, again, divided up into monthly payments, a little bit less than what they would spend if they were just to hire me normally. So it was not only less expensive, but it also included kind of all the bells and whistles that they would get from me if they bought my top collection. Okay. I then went on to create a couple of additional collection options I love selling albums. So my top tier members all get an album every year. Um, And then I did like a studio mini session for my middle and top tier members where they get to bring their kids in for school type photos each year. So I made it, I gave everything kind of this, you know, you're going to want this every year. You're going to want to add an album to your shelf every year. And I wanted to paint that picture of what they could have if they signed up as members. Does that right. all make
0: sense? It does. It does. I just have a couple specific questions. So it yeah. sounds like it's more of an annual membership, it or is, is there are there different time like time, time periods?
1: Mm-hmm. I'm kind of um, I am experimenting with that a little bit with a two year span. I prefer the one year span. I don't like having to kind of keep track of the you know oh okay now it's time for your session. I just like to have everybody on the same membership, mm-hmm. but I did yeah, have a couple yeah. of clients that were requesting that. So I'm testing it out. I don't really have good data on it yet, but um, but it, I mean, it certainly can be done. Mostly, I just found that with little kids, families, m- many of my families were happy for the opportunity to just make that happen on an annual basis.
0: Yep. Okay, so with the different tiers, It is kind of like, okay, with this, you just get digitals plus a small amount of print credit for the lowest tier and then the middle tier, a little bit more print credit. And with the top tier, you get a full album.
1: Do I have that right? Kind of, close. So actually the basic part of the membership for everybody is the same. So it's all the digital files and some print credit. So every year they can go into the store, they can get a frame, they can get, you know, whatever that they decide they want to get. The basic membership is extremely straightforward. It's super easy. They don't have to, you know, everything is kind of managed for them and it's pretty low pressure, which is really what a lot of my clients want. They want those images, they want those memories, but they don't necessarily need to have like an in-person sales session every year or that, you know, Mm -hmm. that time commitment is harder for them. So I, again, to your point from before, I wanted to make it as easy as possible for them to say yes. The um, middle and top tier just have all of that included, plus plus. So plus the studio portrait session and or plus okay, right, the right. album. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. I like this. And
0: what are most people, most of your clients, which one are they going for? Do you know? Yeah, I don't know if you have it like, calculated Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's actually pretty evenly split. It's interesting because in my normal one-off session business, I can I look at my collection sales and that is very specifically oriented, right? Like I can say this one is the most popular. But with my membership, it really depends on my clients and their budget and their, you know, priorities basically. I have had people sign up almost evenly distributed and then my membership has been really stable year to year. So, it's not an automatic renewal. I don't, you know, do the thing that we all hate where like You sign up for something and then you forget to cancel it. And then they just (laughs) keep charging you. It's every year they get an email saying, would you like to renew? And they actually have to opt in. But even given that, I have had very good retention over the course of the three years. I'm just about to... I launched in August because in my business, fall is my busiest season. And so I actually launched it with the whole like, be the first on my calendar for this, uh, for the upcoming busy season. Ooh, and that has worked like really that. well for me.
0: Yeah. I like that autonomy where it's like it gives them sort of that scarcity pressure mentality where yep. it's nothing like unethical or anything that you're doing, but you're like, okay, if you don't sign up now, I don't want you to come to me and say, Oh, but we wanted summer and then you have no sessions left because you only have so many slots open.
1: Exactly. And yeah, I like I this. really, yeah, I really do. I've actually tried to work a whole bunch of little bonus type things in for my members where that, and, you know, I was saying not many people have dropped out. Almost the only people who have stopped being members have done so because they've moved away. I live in the, like, Chapel Hill, Raleigh-Durham area, which is pretty high, like, transience rate because it's like, you know, people come in for medical school or to do some sort of fellowship at one of the local universities and then they, they move on. But other than that, I've had really good stability because, you know, not only do they get first dibs on my calendar, they're also getting, I have a, a bunch of little perks built in and and those things when they think, I imagine, when they think about, well, are we going to renew again this year? You know, they're thinking, oh, but I don't want to lose out on the opportunity to do, like, I don't do mini sessions, for instance. That's not something that I do in my business, mm-hmm. but my members can request a one-off mini session at any time. And they pay more for it, but I'm kind of at their beck and call like, oh, we're having a birthday party and I really just want somebody to show up for 30 minutes and get images with the kids and the grandparents. Or, you know, I want a maternity session, but I don't want like a full-blown maternity session. I just want a quickie. Great. I'll come do a one-off mini for you.
0: Right. Yeah. So those bonuses, I like that. The, The one thing I'm thinking about for pricing, I know you said it's a little bit less expensive than if someone just came and booked one... Shoot with you. And now, is there any of that sort of feeling that oh, it's not worth it if someone just gets like the lowest membership package? So
1: that's a great question. Um, the answer is no, but the, and I'm going to put a big asterisk beside that because I, have always been an extremely big proponent of knowing your numbers like you have to mm-hmm. run your numbers you have to do it regularly like your <laughs> your income and your expenses two years ago are guaranteed not the same as they are this year so that's something <laughs> totally. that you should be doing like every year every 6 months like you just you know it can become one of those things that you build into your annual calendar And when you run those numbers, you need to make sure that whatever it is that you're charging is going to make you that much or more. So when someone comes into my business and they hire me for a one-off family session and they purchase my lowest collection, I'm still profitable. So it's always worth it to me. But what I'm doing with the membership is I'm actually basing my pricing on my highest collection purchase, which gives me tons of margin. And when I come down a bit from there, I'm still making plenty of money to cover all my expenses, put money in savings, pay myself well, all of those things. But it feels like a good deal to my clients. So the other side of it is that with a membership, you are saving yourself a ton of time. Like I am not having to deal with these clients in the same way that I'm having to deal with a new client. Like these are people, oh, I need to back up and mention That one of my big, hard and fast, I'm going to call it a rule, but like my very strong recommendations, if anyone is interested in starting a membership, I would not advise you to offer a membership spot to a client that you haven't worked with before. So this is not a new client offer. This is something that where you've, you know, when you have brought someone in, you've worked with them you've had a chance to see whether they're truly a good fit for your business, then you offer them this spot in the membership if you have a spot available. And the reason that I say that is that not only are you protecting yourself from potentially a client that like is just not a good fit and we've all been there, but you're also making it so that that person is basing their judgment of your offer on their understanding of what you do normally. So you're able to kind of price anchor with your standard offer. And then when you invite them into your membership, they see what a great deal it is. Mm, I
0: like that. It's funny because it's, gosh, there's so much like psychology happening with, (laughs) with these things. And it's like, okay, so I'm reading this book right now. And it's called Influence the Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. I don't I might have just Cialdini, it name, Yeah. Cialdini, yeah. And I just started it. And one of the examples that he gives is that there's like a jewelry store store owner, and this guy, like an acquaintance or someone, comes in and he decides he's gonna reduce the price on this piece of jewelry. Maybe it was a watch or something, I can't remember. But from five hundred to 250. And the guy like looks at it, and he decides uh, he was like all pumped on it. And then when he said it was two fifty, he just was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want it. And he left. And then he called him again, and said, "I have this new piece, this other piece I think you might like." And he comes in and he tells him it's five hundred dollars, but he's going to reduce it to two fifty for him for being this acquaintance, or whatever. And the guy's like, "I'll take it." But there was yeah. something about the guy thought initially, even though it was a very similar piece. He thought that 250 meant it wasn't good quality, but when he sure. learned that it was 500 to start and then he was getting it for 250 he wanted it. And there's some sort of psychology because cheap equals bad in our <laughs> society or something like, anyways, I'm still yeah. reading this book, but it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. And there is so much psychology built into every piece of any business, but certainly, mm-hmm when you are selling something that is not necessary, it's not a commodity, and the prices are all over the place in the marketplace, right? Like you can go out, I don't, you know, you live anywhere you want and, or you go anywhere you want and search for photographers and you will find people who are charging $100 for everything. And then you can find people who are charging $10,000 and keeping it like really limited. And you'll find buyers at all of those different, you know, that those two places and everywhere in between. And so, you know, the question is why, and it really, I mean, it has to do obviously with a lot of things, but there's so much psychology to the buying process. Like how does someone justify any expense to themselves? That's not a hundred percent necessary. We do it all the time and there's a lot of psychology built into it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I definitely think that that, um, you know, I mentioned price anchoring and that's kind of what you're talking about here. It's like when you're comparing a price To like nothing. If you just hear, I paid, let's say, $300,000 for my house, you may think, like, that's super cheap, or you may think that's really expensive. Well, why do you think that? It is based on what you're used to and what's around you and what your budget is and all that sort of thing. When you have someone approach you for the first time and they're seeing your offer and your pricing for the first time, they're comparing it to whatever experience they've had in the past. Or maybe they're not comparing it to anything and they're just having to kind of make a judgment call on the quality. If they're, if they've already worked with you, they know the quality is there. They know they like working with you and they know that they spent, let's say $2,000 and now you're offering them something that's $1,500 and it's split up over 12 months. That's like a, I can't possibly turn this down kind of an offer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's, I wish that it wasn't that way. I wish we could just be like, this is what I charge, and people are going to be like, sweet, done. But we have to do some finessing in there. We have to learn, you know, how people think about money and how people, you know, function and are persuaded and that sort of thing. Because even though we're not pulling the wool over anyone's eyes, there is an art to this. There really is. So, yeah.
1: And as artists, (laughs) I think that we should lean into that a little bit. I think that it is, um, it's, yes, obviously none of us wants to feel like we are out, you know, standing on the side of the road, like flipping a flag around being like, come to my business. But there is a certain amount of self-promotion and business smarts that we all need to have in order to make it so that we can put, you know, really important art into the hands and onto the walls of the people that we care about. And so I think, you know, once you get past that judgment, which is exactly what it is, that selling is a bad thing and that it's somehow, um, you know, that you're being dishonest. I mean, if you're being dishonest, don't do that. <laughs> but if you are, uh, if you're, you know, genuinely out there trying to, to serve your clients, there's nothing wrong with taking the steps to learn how you can make that easier for them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, do you have an average sale, you know, for what for what you're at right now? Do you know what your average
1: sale is with these memberships? So, yeah, so my standard average client spends around $1700. I think that's my that's my current sale average. Nice, very cool. The members start at $130 a month, which I would need a calculator to remind myself exactly what that works out to a year. And so that or excuse me, $120 a month. Um, So it's $120, $140, and $160 a month are my three tiers. But I have students who have set up their memberships and where their prices range from anything, like I think on the lower end, I've got some people who have their basic tier is like $50 a month. Then there are some people who are more expensive than I am. And that is all just based on their numbers, what they need to be profitable, what their standard pricing is. And so, you know, it can work at a lot of different levels. It just depends on who your market is, what your expenses are, and your your numbers. I always like to make a caveat when I'm talking about pricing because it's different for everybody.
0: Totally. We have this on the portrait system on our website for pro and premium members. We have a calculator. It's a pricing calculator. And you can input every single expense that you have. And then you also put in how much you want to take home in your pocket, not just gross but net like your take home that it yep. goes to you and then you put in how many shoots you want to do do per month and then it spits out to you what your packages a recommendation of what your packages should be small medium and large in order to to make the amount of money you do and i've heard people say like oh my gosh like i it just didn't even they didn't realize how much sure. they were spending on their business and, and, you know, at the end of the year, they're like, oh, I just don't have as much in my bank account as I thought I would. Well, you weren't paying attention to how much you were spending and what you right. needed to charge. And yes, it's one of these like black and white concrete things that shows you it's not about, oh, I'm too nervous to raise my prices or, oh, you know, Kelly down the street doesn't charge as much. It's like if you want to pay your bills and create the life that you want, you've got to charge X amount. Right. And it, numbers don't lie.
1: And I think that as scary as that exercise is, running your numbers and really getting clear on what your minimum sales average is, that is, it's a huge barrier for a lot of people. But what people find, what I found, what my students have found over time is that once you have that number, the power in that knowledge is incredible. It gives you Mm -hmm. the confidence that you need to say, you know what? I have to charge these. It's not about like, what's my worth or what is my art (laughs) worth? It's like, this is what I need to make to pay my bills. And for me, you know, I had run my numbers and was like kind of good at that for the first seven years in my business. But that experience of getting divorced and really having to like get down to brass tacks on what I needed to make in order to feed my children was a very clarifying moment for me in my business. And it has been the catalyst to completely radically, dramatically improve my business. And I don't recommend divorce to anyone who, uh, just for fun, it's not a fun process, but <laughs> it is definitely, it was for me in some ways, like the kick in the pants that I needed to make this positive change in my business. So yeah, without having to have some sort of like dramatic life event, like, yeah, go do that. Nikki is right. Totally. And it takes the emotion out of it. It's like, okay,
0: this is what exactly. it is. So, Yeah. Now, I heard you say that what your clients pay monthly is $130 per month. So even though they're on an annual photo shoot plan, they're paying you monthly. Correct. Ah, this is brilliant because <laughs> you are now having a consistent amount of money com- coming in every month. And I heard you say that before, that it was it turns more consistent, but... I wasn't sure how you did that. So this is interesting.
1: Yes. So, and there are, you know, a few of the CRMs that are out there allow you to set that up where someone is making an automated payment. And this, you know, obviously you could send out an invoice every month, but that wears everybody down because then you're chasing payments and all that. Mm -hmm. No, thank you. (laughs) Exactly. Instead, I would very strongly recommend that if your CRM allows you to do that, great. If not, you know, there are tools out there that you can, that you can use to have people pay on a monthly uh, basis. But what they do is they sign an agreement at the beginning of the year that commits them to a full year. I mean, obviously, you're, this isn't a subscription like Netflix where it's like you can cancel at any time. They are signing up to essentially purchase a session, but it, the payments are split up. Got it. Okay. So
0: how, on average, how many shoots are you doing per month And then how many clients do you, I know I'm sure it fluctuates from year to year, but how many clients overall, like clients, well, let's just talk about how many clients shoots you're doing per month, first of all.
1: Sure, so um, I would have to average, or I would have to like calculate the per month. I take on about 80 sessions a year. The monthly average changes depending on what month. (laughs) Um, I certainly have some months that are busier than others. The nice thing with the membership is that I've actually been able to, Because they know they're going to do a session, you know, if they sign up in August, they know that at some point before the next August, they're going to do a session. The way that I run the scheduler for my members is that I open the schedule twice a year, and I'm giving them access to the next six months in advance. So... In August, my calendar opens to them through January. And then in January, my calendar opens to them through the following end of July. So what that does is it makes it so that I, once they have kind of claimed their spots on my calendar, then I fill in the rest of my like new client inquiries where I have availability. So again, I mentioned that fall is my busy season. My members get first dibs on my fall calendar, but then I can, you know, right after my membership scheduler closes, then I'm, you know, blasting on social media that, you know, I only have X number of spots left in October, grab them now. And that gives some urgency to those people who mm-hmm. may never have worked with me before, but they're seeing that and they're like, oh yeah, if I want to book her, I'm going to do it right now.
0: Yep. Yep. I love that. Now, as far as when you do shoots, I know some, sometimes like a deterrent for doing family photos for some people is it's a lot of evenings and weekends often. Do you Mm -hmm. do evenings and weekends or do you have some restrictions there?
1: So one of the benefits, one of the little perks that I build into my membership is that I don't charge an additional weekend fee for my members. I do charge a weekend fee for new clients because there are only so many weekends and I don't want to work all of them. Mm -hmm. And when I open my member calendar... It is first come, first serve, and they know that. And I only open a certain number of weekend spots, but my members get those first dibs. So again, it's like at at every turn, I want to remind them that being a member serves them really well. Because if, let's say, because I'm not going to be able to do this math in my head um, (laughs) on the spot, (laughs) let's say that my memberships were $1,000 a year. Like each member paid me $1,000 over the course of the year. And let's say that my standard client's paid me $1,200 for a one-off. If I had somebody hire me twice, two years apart, and they're paying me a $2,400 in total, but my members were signed up for three years, that's $3,000 over the course of those three years. So it, you know, the longer I can keep someone as a member, the more overall income, you know, the more their lifetime customer value turns into. So always with the little, like little bonuses, but to your question about weekends and evenings, I usually recommend morning sessions for my family clients because they have little kids, and little kids are just better in the morning. And I am a morning person, um, so I do lots of sessions at like 8 o'clock in the morning. But um, obviously, that's not ideal. But with eighty clients over the course of an entire year, like it's it's totally fine. I can I can take twenty weekend days, carve off a couple hours in the morning, um, and then have the rest of the day with my family.
0: Yeah, totally. And and that's the thing, like, I think whatever works for, like you said, for you, for your family, if you have kids, whatever, whatever works for you is what you do. And there's something like, I talked about this in my WPPI talk, where it sounds really like obvious, but choosing a genre that works for your lifestyle is so important. It, it really is. is. Like, I don't want to work weekends ever. I mean, I just don't. Yep. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. It brings me back to my, my days of, well, weddings, weddings. Who wants to remember that? No, um, no, I was, you know, throughout college and for eight years, actually, I was a bartender and server and all my weekends were gone. Like I just missed out on a lot. Yeah. You know? And so like for me, that's why I love personal branding is because I don't have to do weekends, yes, which is absolutely. great. But I think there are some family photographers out there who don't do weekends who, but I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit trickier as far as scheduling, but I mean, the point is, is you can make it whatever you want to make it.
1: Yeah. And mine, mine really has gotten to the point where there are a few weekends per season that I'm working a lot and then the rest of the time I'm not. But unlike when I also used to shoot weddings and unlike a wedding, a portrait session for me means that I get up earlier than my kids because my kids are teenagers now. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, go off and I do a session and I come back and they're just getting up and like I still have the rest of the day. that's awesome. It's different. I would do that. I would totally do
0: that. That makes sense. My kids are just really little, you know, and it's like... oh
1: no, I know. It's a different time and you should protect that time. Like I am absolutely in agreement that we are not in business for ourselves to be crappy bosses. Like that's why Mm -hmm. you, that's why you go into business for yourself. So you do have to love what you do and how you do it.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Now let's talk a little bit about marketing as far as I know that you said often the first, you know, the first clients that come in, they're going to be the one-time clients from the beginning. Now, do you have people that approach you asking specifically for this membership or is this something that you really have to kind of finesse with these one-time clients?
1: That is a great question. I actually tease the membership on my website. So I mentioned that, you know, after we work together, I have a membership option, but I, I kind of leave it at that. It's just on my website. So a lot of times when I have a discovery call with a new potential client, they'll ask about that. They'll say, oh, I saw on your website that you have this membership. Tell me more about that. And I try and keep it not to be like coy or anything, but I I just say, oh yeah, I have a portrait membership where once I've worked with someone and, you know, you know that I'm a good fit for you, then, you know, if I have space in my membership, there's a, you know, an annual Ooh, invitation. If I
0: have space, if I, I have like space, that. Again, yeah. scarcity kind of like urgency. Sure. Yeah.
1: And it is there's truth to it too. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I, I try not to ever have false scarcity in my, in any of my business, but obviously our time is our limiting commodity, right? As photographers, we have to show up and do the work. Even if we have like all of our systems dialed into the, to the nth degree, there's only so much time and space in your calendar. So when I, Created my membership, I sort of ran the numbers to figure out how many clients I could take on as members, like how many membership spots I could offer, because I still need to have new clients in my business every year, right? If I want to ensure that as members drop out, I have new people to fill their spots, I have to be bringing new people into the business. So I have it set up so that it's about 70 30, where 70% of my business now is membership based, and then I've got 30% available for new clients.
0: Love it. Very cool. And you said you've been doing this for a while. So I'm assuming, you know, so much of, of what you do is based on referrals
1: at this yes. point? Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, referrals and Google, I it is an amazing thing at SEO. It works mm-hmm, over time. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, you know, I think I had a really active blog in my business for the first seven or eight years, and I don't anymore, which I probably should. But um, But at this point, the Google and referral you know, numbers are good enough that I I don't have to actively market my business too much.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about how, how do you lock these people in with payments and stuff like contractually or like, I'm just hearing someone out there ask this question in sure. their car right now as they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but what if six months down the road, they decide they don't want this shoot anymore? They want to cancel. Like, do they get their money back? Like, yeah, talk to like, me about all that.
1: That is definitely the number one question that I get from my students because it's, you know, it's a scary thing, right? Like, uh-huh. let's say that you've only got, I don't know, $300 in your pocket, but they have already signed up and done their session and then they like peace out and stop paying you. So no. When, like I mentioned before, when someone signs up for the membership, they are contractually obligated to all 12 of those payments. So in theory, if somebody stopped paying me, I could go after them and like sue them in small claims court. Nobody wants to deal with that, obviously, which right. is another really good reason to vet your clients and ha- make sure that this is someone who has hired you before, paid you in full before, like you didn't have to chase them down. And then you're giving them that, you're extending them the trust of, giving them a spot in your membership, where in theory, they could kind of screw you over that way. Mm -hmm. In close to four years of running a membership, I have never had someone, uh, I've had people where their credit card, you know, got stolen or something. And so Mm -hmm. I got flagged by my CRM that a payment failed. And then I send them an email and say, hey, You know, actually I automatically like have that automated where a payment or a payment notification, failure notification goes out, gives them the link to link a new credit card. And I have never had that not work. So it's not, it's not something that I think you should be too afraid of if these are people that you've worked with before, but absolutely you do want to put those policies and parameters in place and get them contractually kind of tied up so that you're not, you're not having to deal with that what would be an unfortunate situation.
0: I'm so glad you said this. And I know, I, I just knew you were going to say that, that it just doesn't happen because I feel like if you take the time to build that relationship with your client and really just, you know, connect with them and give them great service during that first shoot, it just doesn't happen. Like if, right. you, if you're if you out there listening and you're finding yourself in a situation where people are often canceling or no shows or not purchasing photos or whatever, one thing that's really important to look at is how are you connecting with the clients. How are you building a relationship? Are you just expecting to take their money and they show up and then you do the shoot and then it's done and done? Or are you, you know, like finessing that relationship? I feel like I've used the word finessing like five <laughs> times, but seriously, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Using like just building some sort of, not that you have to be best friends, not that you have to spend a whole lot of time. Cause I know I don't these days spend a whole lot of time, you know, beforehand, but what are you doing to just, Build some sort of rapport because people are way less likely to just peace out on you, like you were saying, if there's some sort of rapport there.
1: A hundred percent. And I think that starts right at the beginning. I mentioned before, like a discovery call. I get on the phone with everyone who wants to hire me before they hire me. And a lot of people kind of balk at that idea and say, I don't have time for phone calls or I hate phone calls. But for me, it has been an incredibly valuable way to not only kind of differentiate myself in the market, because I think a lot of people just respond to inquiries with email responses with like a PDF. When I get on the phone with someone new, not only does it like cement for them who I am, right? Like, oh, she was that person that we chatted and like realized that our kids went to the same school. But it makes it so that that like lays the foundation of that trust. And so, you know, after I talk to somebody on the phone, the chances of them ghosting me go way, 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 way down. Like, even if they don't ultimately hire me, they'll reach out and say, you know, okay, we've decided to go in a different direction. And I feel like if you extend that kind of those personal touches, even if you... Because the rest of my business is so automated, like in every possible way that I can either... Automate something or systematize something. I do, but there are a few places where, if you give them that like one-on-one, really high-touch service, you can still command top-the-market prices without having to like cripple your workflow.
0: Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, this has been super helpful, and I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to start doing this. Um, I wonder if if you think that this would work for other genres.
1: Yeah, so I have a handful of students who have applied this to other genres. Um, the, I have actually several pet portrait photographers who have made this part of their business, which Ooh, yeah I, I like love like I, yeah, <laughs> I am not a pet p- photographer, but I have dogs and I love them. And, um, <laughs> and so you know I love seeing people succeed with that in that way. But I actually have a handful of students who do branding photography this way. So they have clients who need, you know, new photos. And that you had asked earlier about, like, is it always a year? My branding students who apply this to their uh, branding businesses, some of them do it less frequent or more frequently. (laughs) I'm sorry. With less space in between, I think was what I was trying to say. But um, yeah, so like quarterly or semi-annually where they have clients who need photos more often. So they offer that on a more like sped up timeline.
0: Yeah. I actually did that for a little while and it actually worked pretty well. I just found myself shooting way too often. Sure. (laughs) I was trying to like scale back more, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years too. And I'm just like, I was just trying to scale back on how many shoots I was doing. So that's why it didn't work quite as much, quite as well for me. But if I think for someone who wants to do, you know, 10, 12, 20 shoots a month, like, Right. I think it, that could be a really a really good thing for sure. Yeah.
1: And it's all about, you know, sort of figuring out what your ideal model is and then finding the ideal clients to that, you know, they're looking for what you're trying to do. Mhm.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Sweet. Well, I do have a couple questions for you that I always ask at the end of each episode. Very good. And the first one is what is something you cannot live without when you're doing a photo shoot? <laughs>
1: uh, I cannot live without my 24 to 70 lens because mm-hmm. I am photographing toddlers and uh, they're fast. And, <laughs> uh, and so as much as I love shooting with primes when I'm doing portraits of older kids or anything else, um, that 24 to 70 is my lifeblood when I am trying to keep up with the little ones.
0: Yep. I can see that for sure. All right. Number two is how do you spend your time when you're not working?
1: So um, my fiance and I have several Airbnbs. And recently we got a couple at the coast. I'm in central North Carolina and we have a couple of houses now on the Outer Banks. And I love interior design projects when when I've got free time. And so we've been doing lots of fun stuff with that.
0: Fantastic. That sounds great.
1: I love real estate.
0: I invest in real estate myself. It's the best. It's (laughs) life-changing. Yeah. For like the long term. You know, for the the long run, it's incredible. Okay, uh, number three is, what is your favorite inspirational
1: quote? I am a big Mary Oliver fan, and I, I love her quote about, you know, tell me what it is that you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. I feel like sometimes in the hubbub and the busyness of having family and running a business and all of the things that we do, that, quote, brings me back to what's important,
0: why mm-hmm. I do what I
1: do, and, uh, and being more intentional about how I spend my time.
0: Oh, absolutely. I love that. It really is so important. And it's, I mean, it's how I function. Like, one yeah. of the reasons I don't work weekends ever, especially in the summer, is because we have a cottage on a lake. And that is one of my like most important times with my family and my children and my friends. And like, I don't want to miss out on any weekend. So it's, gosh, it's just all about looking at what is most important to us and what we how, yeah, just, yeah. Anyway, I don't need to (laughs) Amen to that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Number four is what what would you tell people who are just starting out?
1: I always like to share the advice that was given to me that has turned out to be absolutely, I don't know, I feel like it is the foundation that made my entire business work. And that was my one of my first photography instructors, a guy that I took a class with, like an actual in-person class at a local university when I was just starting out came to me at the end of the semester and was like, you know, your work is really good. And I had told him, like, I'm actually thinking about turning this into a business. And he was like, but if I could give you a piece of advice, it would be make sure that you focus as much of your time and energy on learning how to run a business as you do learning how to take better photos. Mm -hmm. And I think that when i look back over the course of my 12 years in business and the success that i've had versus the um struggle that i see a lot of people having i think that putting the time and effort into what at the beginning felt like the less fun side of having a photography business really has made it so that i've been able to do it for the long term and make real money doing it and um and serve more people over time. So if anybody listening is just starting out, don't be afraid to spend, you know, a lot, a portion, a a real portion of your time working on the business side.
0: Awesome. Love that. So important and so true. (laughs) Yeah. All right. And where can people find you online if they're looking for you?
1: Yeah. Well, I also have a podcast. It's called This Can't Be That Hard, and it is a business podcast for photographers, but we focus on the business side of things, hopefully in a fun way. And so you can also find me at thiscan'tbethathard.com, and you can find me on Instagram under This Can't Be That Hard. Awesome. If anybody is specifically interested in finding out more about the membership thing and the way that I run that, I you can find that under This Can't Be That Hard dot com slash revenue.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you again, Anami. This has been amazing.
1: Wonderful. Yeah, it's been super lovely chatting with you. Absolutely. And I, I love everything you guys do over here. And uh, so it's an honor to, to get to chat with you. Sweet.
0: Thank you so much. All right, we will be in touch soon because I'm sure we'll have you on again at some point to tell us more. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System Podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? Lighting PDFs, I mean truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and 8 frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.